Hello, and welcome back to Trennis Magnus, Jab's Reality, a podcast vacation that isn't much of a vacation at all in retrospect, presented by Two True Freaks. I'm your host, Magnus, and it was actually several months ago at this point that I put Trennis Magnus Punches Reality, which is to say my main show, that I put Trennis Magnus Punches Reality into hiatus, right? And yet, I look at the number of Trennis Magnus Jabs reality episodes that I've released, and it doesn't even come close to a weekly release schedule, you know, if you average everything out. But it's like, at the same time, this isn't, this hasn't been completely a hiatus. So it, it, it kind of leaves me in the position of asking just, what is a hiatus? And am I actually taking one right now? So I don't know. It's all in the eye of the beholder. Maybe what I really wanted to get away from is just the pinch of a weekly deadline. I don't know. Anyway, so that stuff aside, I'm about three and a half-ish weeks away from, uh, from getting married. And so I've got a fair amount of things that I'm kind of, that are sort of occupying my attention right now, but for matters that aren't really related in any way to well, getting married. There's actually been quite a lot going on with me just as a fan of different things that I thought that right now might actually be a sort of convenient time for me to talk about since I've basically got three different issues on the docket here, none of which are really substantial enough really even to justify an episode of Trinus Magnus Jab's reality, but certainly not an episode of Trinus Magnus Punch's reality. So. Anyway, maybe I can knock all of them out here. I guess we'll have to wait and see. But one of the things that I honestly don't think I've ever gone on record as saying is I'm a pretty big fan of the 1960s Batman TV show. And there was a time, I mean, it, it's... There was a time when it wasn't exactly politically correct to say that, you know? Or if you said that, you kind of needed to justify that a little bit. These days, people seem to roll with that a little bit easier, for whatever reason. And irrespective, you know, this is one of those shows that I've actually got a pretty deep history with. I started watching reruns of the Batman show when they began airing on the Family Channel back in the 80s. And one thing that I do think I've mentioned at least a few times is that I, my introduction to Batman really was pretty eclectic. You know, I would say that over the span of six months, although probably less, but certainly no more than six months, I was exposed to the Filmation, at least I think it's Filmation, uh, Batman cartoon from the 1960s. Not that stupid thing with uh, uh, Batmite in every single episode, but I think it was the the TV, the uh, animated show before that. Again, from the late 60s. And it was basically just Batman and Robin every week having adventures, you know? So there was that. Uh, there was obviously the 1989 Tim Burton Batman film. And then uh, following that came... Uh, the greatest Batman stories ever told, which endeavored to 
cut through the glorious ice cream of what had been up to that point Batman's 50-year publication history. Now, I don't... I think it would be fair to say that not all 50 years are accounted for. By which I mean the first story that it that uh, the greatest Batman story is ever told reprints I think was published in late in 1939 or for that matter maybe just the I don't know it, the middle or, or mid late or mid to late 1939 put it that way then going right on through I want to say to 1981 but uh I don't know what's a few years between friends I guess and then of course my introduction to Batman also included the 1966 TV show. So all of those different influences pulling at me all at once, or relatively all at once. And so my point in mentioning that is to say that Batman has never really been just one thing for me. I'm very well aware of the fact, and I guess in relation to that, I am very comfortable with the fact that Batman can be different things at different times. To say that Batman can only be a dark, angry, driven Avenger of the Night is, I think, missing the point of Batman. You know, I, I really do believe that. Yes, those stories can be told, and they can even be told, great, those stories can be amazing. But the fact of the matter is, Batman has always been, I think, bigger than that. And Prosecution's Exhibit A for that, at least for me, Maybe not the 60s TV show anymore, but certainly I do think that's a good example of doing uh, just a lighter Batman overall. But honestly, not really here so much to talk about uh, Batman. What I really want to do is kind of segue this uh, sort of monologue that I'm doing here, kind of segue that a little bit in a different direction. I was uh, cruising around on iTunes and this was, I want to say, like a week ago or something like that. I don't know. It's something like that. And I uh, just cruising around, and I noticed that the first season of the 60s TV show was on sale. Guys, I'm not kidding. It was like $4.99 or $5.99, the complete first season for $4 or $5.99. I forget which. It's one of the two. And so it's one of those things where, you know, I can't speak for anybody else, but Sometimes you see something that is just such a ridiculously good bargain that you kind of have to buy it on principle. And so I bought season one on principle. And I haven't actually made my way through the entirety of season one yet, but I have watched the Joker episodes. And I got to tell you, man, those things hold up. But more than the episodes themselves hold up, one of the things that really holds up for me is... Caesar Romero's portrayal of the Joker. I, as with Batman, I'm not really in any position to say that one actor or another is definitive, you know? Reason being, I kind of touched upon this a minute ago, but it's worth repeating. Batman and his world and his supporting cast and his villains, everything about Batman, it's not just one thing. And so because of that, it's hard to say that one person got it right, because ultimately it can be a whole lot of different things, you know? To me, Ben Affleck, uh, Adam West, 
uh, Michael Keaton, Christian Bale, these actors playing Batman, they all exist in a continuum for me. And so I'm not prepared to say that any one of them is somehow obviously better than any of the others. You know, it, to me, they're all pretty much on an equal footing. And the same thing really holds true for the Joker. I'm not here to tell you that Jack Nicholson is the best or Cesar Romero is the best or Heath Ledger is the best or, or, or whatever. Again, as with Batman, this character exists on a continuum. He can be a lot of different things. And so <clears throat> what I wanted to do, I mean, look, I never needed to be persuaded about the merits of the 60s TV show. Because like I said, I mean, I, I, I started watching it uh, uh, back in the 80s. But re-watching those Joker episodes now, man, he, meaning Romero, he was firing on all cylinders. And guys, like right from the very start, I mean, I never needed to be told how brilliant Cesar Romero was in the Joker, or rather, how brilliant he was as the Joker. But I guess one of the things that maybe you kind of forget about over time is that there is a mania and a sincere malevolence <clears throat> to this iteration of the Joker. And yeah, it alternated with some kind of more lighthearted stuff like attempting to corrupt Gotham City's youth with easy living in order to push them into uh, crime later in their lives. That's evil, yeah, but guys, that's hardly on the same level as strapping Batman and Robin into an electric chair, you know? When this Joker attempted to kill Batman and Robin, guys, he wasn't kidding around. He meant it. But at the same time, this Joker's vocation was sort of like criminal comedy. And so he never really lost sight of the fact that as much as anything else, he was out to steal a buck. You know, I mean, Romero's Joker never killed anybody on screen, at least that I can think of. But that, guys, that was not for any lack of trying. He was probably the most deadly and dangerous villain on that show. And yet, somehow, Cesar Romero could play the Joker in a kind of a sympathetic way. I mean, evil he might be, but you can't help just enjoying the guy's antics, at least a little bit. And for his own part, it looked to me like Cesar Romero had a ball playing the character, and... <clears throat> And I get the idea that the Joker was something that he looked back at fondly later in his life. He had a blast doing that show, and I think that's obvious from watching virtually any of his scenes. Now, like I said before, I like all of the Jokers, right? Nicholson, Ledger, Leto, and at least from the looks of things, Joaquin Phoenix. They all have a special place in my heart, and I can't call any of them definitive just because I love them all so much, but guys, I'm not kidding around, all right? <clears throat> Cesar Romero was seriously locked into something, and his joy playing that character, you know, re-watching those episodes now, it really is infectious. So, anyway, I just wanted to throw all of that out there and just kind of give Cesar, Cesar Romero's Joker a little bit of love. It's because I'm, 
I think it came up once or twice in an episode of uh, Dinner for Geeks, but otherwise, I'm not really aware of too many people out there that are heaping praise on Cesar Romero's performances as the Joker. So, I don't know. I just just wanted to throw that out there and see see what comes back to me. Now, to kind of swing the pendulum in kind of the total sort of opposite direction, the... There was an there was an actual trailer that came out for I think the director's name is Todd Phillips. It's like Todd Phillips or Scott Phillips or something like that. But there was a there was a trailer that like an actual trailer that came out for a Joker a couple of days ago at the time that I record this. And I'm talking about the Joker movie starring Joaquin Phoenix. Okay, if that assuming I'm getting the director's name wrong, I'm definitely getting the star's name right. So Hopefully that'll help you narrow things down a little bit. Now, guys, I need to tell you that I watched I watched that that trailer for Joker in I watched it I guess in a certain sort of uh context, all right? I mean there's a there This is not happening in a vacuum, okay? We all live lives and we we all are I guess, affected by the things that are around us, whether it's, you know, personal issues or professional issues, or for that matter, even fandom issues. And for me, you know, I got to tell you guys, fandom hasn't really been as, how shall I put it? Fandom hasn't really been as comfortable a place for me to be in the last several years as I might've liked, right? I'm the guy in the room that just doesn't really get into a lot of these uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe films. I mean, I like phase one, you know, I mean, I think every single one of those is gold and you know, phase two is, it's all right. You know, so there, are, there are some good ones and there are some less good ones, but you know, whatever, it's all right. But you know, it's just like the more the time goes on, it's, it's just, at least for me, diminishing returns, you know? And so I wasn't... I've even recorded a couple of episodes about this, and I think I've even released them fairly recently, but I'm just going to vamp for time here a little bit and just kind of talk about really nothing while I search through my release schedule here to make it look like I had all of this figured out right from the very beginning, but in fact I didn't. Yeah, it looks like it was uh, 2018. I released a this kind of uh, back-padding, self-congratulatory episode where I just kind of... I, I just kind of... Uh, fan my own balls a little bit about the kind of DC movies that I want to see, you know, movies about DC characters that I would get into. And it would be a mistake, I would say, to, to suggest that Joker as a film is exactly right in my wheelhouse right now, because it's really not. But I do kind of consider this in a certain kind of way to be kind of like a proof of concept, because... Joker is a relatively low budget movie, all right? Even by modern standards, this is a pretty low budget movie, all right? And so Joaquin Phoenix and what's his name Phillips, the director guy, they can't really expect to have much of a budget to distract you from, you know, kind of shaky characters or a Swiss cheese plot with all of these big sweeping action sequences. They pretty much need to have a pitch perfect script and pitch perfect performances right? It's that simple, right? They don't have uh, the camouflage 
of tens or even hundreds of millions of dollars worth of CGI that they can use to distract you from what is otherwise a kind of a shaky enterprise here, you know? So they, they're basically in a certain kind of way, they're sort of like performing without a type. Uh, they're, they're, they're on the tightrope without the safety of a net. Does that make sense? And you know, this movie is going to sink or it's going to swim on the strength of the characters, on the strength of the writing, on the strength of the performances, on the strength of the directing, all of that stuff is going to be crucial to Joker's success in ways that I don't know are necessarily true for your conventional blockbuster comic book movie anymore. You know, and so I guess what I'm saying is I really admire just the balls of what it looks like Joker as a movie is going to be. You know, because this is, I must say, this is not necessarily taking the easy way out. There's no Batman running around. It's, you know, spoiler alert, there's no Batman uh, running around in the movie. It seems like the Joker's main rival, implicitly or explicitly, is actually going to be Thomas Wayne. And it seems like Thomas Wayne is running for office. And all of these things are pretty far removed from what most people would consider to be the conventional Batman canon. And so that by itself is a, is just a huge risk. And I kind of respect the people who are making this movie for having the balls to take that kind of risk. And I, for one, can't freaking wait for this movie to come out. I think it's going to be great. And, or at least I think it's got the, the potential. All right. It's got the potential to be great. And I'm just really looking forward to it. You know, it's, it's low budget. It looks kind of raw and grainy, like those 1970s new Hollywood movies. And it could just as easily from the looks of things, uh, could just as easily have been directed by somebody like William Friedkin or Francis Ford Coppola or Martin Scorsese, you know, just any number of these other directors who who were big names in the industry at that time, that's what Joker as a film looks like. And so just for that reason alone, I'm kind of looking forward to this. You know, I, I, I'm kind of interested to see what's coming. You know, this, it just looks interesting to me. And, you know, I mean, I'm not making any predictions about it, that this is going to be the runaway sensation that sweeps the nation or anything like that. Look, maybe it will be, maybe it won't be. I mean, I kind of doubt it, but maybe it will be. I don't know. But either way, it's definitely something that I personally am looking forward to. And like I said a second ago, I kind of regard this as a proof of concept of at least a little bit of what I would want to see with uh, DC characters in film going forward. That maybe, you know what, maybe not everything needs to be this ultra mega budget, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars and all of that kind of stuff. You know what, maybe you can do... Just kind of a an interesting, dense, layered, nuanced uh, character piece about these characters. Because, guys, there's so fucking much out there to choose from right now. With Even with even just, I, I would say, with, with the history of DC characters on film, you know, various DC characters, you know, uh, on TV, on uh, in, uh, uh, you know, feature length film animated uh, series, animated films. There's ju just in the, just with the DC universe, there's so fucking much stuff out there that if I was a director in Hollywood right now, I mean, I would look at all that stuff and 
It's like my balls would shrivel up a little bit. It's like, what's left? You know, I mean, the idea of doing like a, a Batman trilogy that's been done. The idea of doing kind of a loose franchise, a series of Batman films that's been done. The idea of doing uh, this kind of noirish animated Batman series that's been, I mean, fucking everything's been done. But what about, not necessarily Batman, I'm just using that as an example, but what about doing one of these characters on a sort of low-budget, character-driven, for-love-of-the-game type of film, you know? Something that doesn't need to sell shitloads and shitloads of action figures and, and Big Macs. You know, what about just doing a film because you love making a film? And make a film, you know, like I say, low-budget, character-driven, well-written, and has personality to it, you know? Because, look, love or hate what we know of Joker as a movie right now, this movie definitely looks like it's got a shit ton of personality. And almost, it's like, it's like almost for that reason alone, I kind of want to see what's coming, you know? So anyway, that I'm just look, I'm just up for uh, up for that movie. I can't wait to see it. It looks like I say interesting, if nothing else. It looks different. It looks basically more or less like what I'm looking for in a in a comic book movie right now, which is to say just something that's a little less formulaic, something that's a little bit less schlocky, because I got to tell you guys, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, piss on Marvel fans or anything like that, but. You know, the the reality of this situation is, guys, there's a lot of formulas that are going on in a lot of these uh, MCU movies that it's almost like they don't take themselves seriously anymore. They're just so lighthearted and jokey and comedic. You know, they're not taking themselves all that seriously anymore. So it's like, why should I take them seriously? I mean, notwithstanding the fact that I'm more I'm more of a DC a comics kind of guy anyway and always have been it's like the people who are in charge of the mcu it's just like it's this again i'm not trying to upset anybody or offend anybody or insult anybody but it's just like this fucking conveyor belt of schlock movie after schlock movie after schlock movie and again say anything you want about joker as a film this does not look to me to be a to be a schlock movie all right this really does look like it's a movie that somebody's making because they they just adore the material all right that's how it looks now i it's not like i i know what's going on inside of these people's heads but that's the way it looks that's the image they're projecting you know and i'm just really i'm just really looking forward to it so anyway i actually had a couple of other things that i wanted to talk about but this episode at least by Trinus Magnus Jab's reality standards, this is actually starting to become a little bit close to what I consider to be the ideal runtime for uh, for this kind of side podcast. You know, Trinus Magnus Jab's reality. This is just about where where I, w- I would want an average episode of Trinus Magnus Jab's reality to be. So I think I'm gonna go ahead and just put a pin in all this right now. There were a couple of emails I wanted to go through, but. Maybe I'll just save that for another time. But anyway, I just wanted to throw all that stuff out there. Um, and I don't know, you know, maybe like limiting the discussion to Caesar Romero 
and Joaquin Phoenix. Maybe there's some kind of interesting symmetry to that, talking about primarily the Joker. So, I don't know. But either way, yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's pretty much it for me. So, bye, everybody. I will see you next time. Okay, so I think that's just about the end of that. Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is a proud member of the Two True Freaks Podcast Network. You can find the home for Trennis Magnus Punches Reality at twotruefreaks.com. You can also find this show on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. There you can interact with your fellow listeners and also see notifications of new episodes when I put them up. My Facebook group is the only official place where you can find everything that has anything to do with this show. The reason for that is because I despise Twitter. Pretty much everything about Twitter sucks. So join the Facebook group today. Speaking of Facebook, you can friend me just by searching for Trentus Magnus, which is spelled T-R-E-N-T-U-S-M-A-G-N-U-S. You can email me and my parole officer at trennismagnus at gmail.com. But remember, all feedback and correspondence emailed to me will be read on mic unless you request otherwise. So, if your email isn't intended for public consumption, don't forget to say so. Otherwise, I'll assume that you want your correspondence to be heard by my dozens, and dozens, of fans across the world. Do you have a suggestion for a topic? feel free to email me, and I might consider thinking about the possibility of potentially discussing whatever you have in mind someday. And that's a promise. Since we're on the subject of feedback, Trentus Magnus Punches Reality can be found on iTunes just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. Won't you take a moment to rate my show on iTunes? That helps new listeners find the show. And just in case you don't think that I've given you enough shit to click on just yet, you can sponsor my show simply by going to twotruefreaks.com. There you can find the PayPal button, donate any amount at all, specify that you're sending Magnus some monetary love, and you will be an official sponsor of my show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy. And there's no minimum donation. Be a Trennis Magnus show sponsor today. I don't have a Patreon. Because if you think that I hate Twitter, boy, just wait till you hear what I think of Patreon. So, 
If you want to throw some bucks my way, the Two True Freaks PayPal link is the way to do it. The contents of this podcast are fictitious, hypothetical, and probably completely unnecessary. Any similarity to living persons or real-life events is purely coincidental and void where prohibited by law, some assembly required, batteries not included, many will enter, few will win, the white zone is for passenger loading and unloading only, all models are over the age of 18. Trinus Magnus Punches Reality is a Magnus Media Enterprises Limited production in association with Demonsecor of Milan, Italy.